There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. It is Drive Live. Welcome back. And uh, in the studio with us now is Robbie Greenfield. Afternoon, Robbie. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Emma. How are you? Not bad. So I don't know if you're listening to the little chat we were talking about uh, earlier about one school wanting to ditch school uniform or basically ditch school uniforms and let kids wear whatever they wanted. Oh, well, how do you is, feel about that? This is one of those that? non-sporting conversations that always get me into trouble, isn't <laughs> Sorry. it? Sorry. How do I feel about that? Mm. Uh, I don't... <laughs> I don't really see an issue with it, to be quite honest with you. Okay. I don't. Do, uh, have you got a? Have you, are you strongly against I don't, it? My, well, my opinion was for younger kids, primary school and secondary school. If you have a uniform, it makes all kids the same. Whereas mm. if they're allowed to, to wear what they want, um, those that can afford all the labels and everything will do, and the kids that can't will wear whatever. So it could actually cause divide. In we that we way. had a wear what you want day at school. Yeah, that's at my fine. Old school, but it would it always it was always a, a source of great anxiety because of course <laughs> exactly. you know all those people that all those kids that you didn't hang out with on the weekends got to see what, uh, in my case, your mum buys for you. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly how you feel. I do. And that only finished when I was about 22, I should add. So uh, I'm probably not the best person to ask oh, this particular question. Oh, dear. Well, let's get into the sport, shall <laughs> yeah. we? As I said, Emma, these sorry. always get me into I'm trouble, sorry. these non-sports-related conversations. Are we going to start with uh, Manchester United? And what's Jose Mourinho been up to now? Well, uh, I, we ought to touch on this because uh, it was such a huge talking point in yesterday's sports tonight we we basically came out last night on the show and uh, and we said that surely time's up for Jose Mourinho he has to go he's going to go inevitably at some point probably under a cloud of ignominy acrimony and uh, and, and a kind of uh, and bad blood that's generally how he tends to kind of exit stage left does Jose Mourinho so we had a a kind of a big debate a vociferous debate on that last night Chris who's a huge Manchester United fan is of the opinion that it's time to cut the cord now yeah. And that history shows us that once things get to this state with Jose Mourinho and, and this uh, this very negative energy that is surrounding the club, there's only one way it's going to get go, and it's go- it's going to get worse. A lot of people we polled on our Instagram channel Dubai Eye Sport that um, we put it out there as to whether they should sack Manchester United should sack Jose Mourinho. It's quite remarkable how this splits opinion because we had over 300 votes over the space of the last 24 hours, and it's 50 50. It's literally really? it's literally 50 50 uh, on, uh, on on public opinion, and and what we're reading today is that Manchester United are reticent to to act too quickly. They want to stick with him for now. They want to keep the faith. This is, uh, or this was, his worst ever home defeat as a manager, that 3-0 defeat by Tottenham. It's the first time that Manchester United have lost two of their first Premier League games since 1992-93, since the first ever Premier League season. So it really is quite extraordinary. What is that, 26 years ago? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's quite a long time since they've had such a bad start to the season. But Edward Wood, other senior figures at Old Trafford are of the mindset that he can turn this around, that he can bring back uh, the kind of progression that we were seeing last season with Manchester United, albeit not playing the kind of football that the fans want them to play, but at least getting progress in terms of their results. They finished runners-up behind Manchester City. They did show a discernible improvement. A lot of Manchester United fans not happy with yeah. the style of football. But, but how but long do you a... give it, Rob? How long do you give it, Robbie, before you just got to throw in the towel? This is, this is the tough one, isn't it? I, I mean, <laughs> Manchester United want to be seen as a club that will support its manager. That They don't want to be associated with 
for want of a better example, Chelsea, who over the years have had a very trigger-happy approach to the hiring and firing of managers. That's just the way they've done business. Roman Abramovich has come in. He's quite fickle. He's quite, uh, you know, taken with the, the, you know, the new kid on the block, the new tactical genius on the block, I should say. And he's been through managers at a rate of knots. And, and it's, it's a club that has existed in a, a kind of happy chaos for the last sort of 15 years or so. Where Manchester United, coming out of the Alex Ferguson era, where 26 years or so, uh, Manchester United had one manager that that is a freak event that will never occur that will that will never be matched because modern football just will not sustain mm. that level of, uh, of of dominance by one man um, but uh, they want to be a bit more measured I think in their approach and uh, a lot of the fans are agreeing with them and we can actually listen to those fans right now here's what they've had to say like he said, he's won more premierships than all other 19 managers put together. And I think he's the right man for the job. I don't see why we get rid of him. I think had he got the signings that he wanted, I think it would have been a bit different. I think he'd be a lot stronger on where he wants to be. Two years, it's not enough to make a judgment on him. So the big next game for United is away to Burnley, who have also made a poor start to this Premier League season. That one's on Sunday at seven o'clock local time. So we look forward to... <laughs> Hopefully another <laughs> another another chapter in the uh, in, in the never ending soap opera that is Jose Mourinho and Manchester United. But that's the football. Yeah. Um, let's turn our attention, if we can, Emma, to the tennis because mm. I was watching over at Flushing Meadow. It, it it is remarkably hot in Flushing Meadow now. I mean, it's pro- probably not quite as warm as it is here, is it? but it's 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 similar. It's, it's similar kind of conditions. Pushing late thirties, isn't it? It's pushing probably. late thirties. The humidity's up, and uh, and the players are are really suffering as a result. Novak Djokovic, who is probably the marginal favourite going into this tournament, having won Wimbledon, having won the Cincinnati Masters to complete the Golden Slam. He was up against a player who you would have been expected ordinarily to beat very easily, a player in the shape of Hungary's Martin Fucevic uh, in the first round of his uh, campaign at Flushing Meadows. And he needed to request a bucket to be placed next to his chair at the change of ends just in case he threw up. Oh, such, was the, uh, such were the conditions and such were the adverse effects that they were having on Novak Djokovic, of course, who... Uh, is trying to win a 14th Grand Slam title here in this, uh, in this fortnight. He's trying to tie Pete Sampras on that mark of 14 Grand Slams, trying to get to within three of Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer, of course, who's on, uh, who's on 20, I believe, trying to, get, trying to get to 21. He won very straightforwardly, Roger Federer, beating Japan's Yoshihito Nishioka, 6-2, 6-2, Not the case for Djokovic. Honestly, I didn't think he'd make it through the match. Mm-hmm. Midway through the second set, which he lost 6-3, he could barely move around the court. He was slumped at his change events. He looked ill. And, and of course, there was that risk that he was, he was actually going to be physically sick due to the conditions. The US Open yesterday had six retirements wow. due to the, uh, to the extreme heat. So conditions were described as dangerous. As you mentioned, temperatures were close to 38 degrees centigrade. That's 100 Fahrenheit. Humidity levels of over 50%. And um, the French player Julian Beneteau, who won on day two, said matches in the middle of the day should not have been played. Uh, he's the world number 60, said they were lucky they only had retirements. And uh, I can tell you that the, the, the players that were forced to retire due to heat, Stefano Travaglia, um, Ricardo Barankis, Leonardo Maia, Mikel Yuzhny and Filip Krajanovic, 
all of their withdrawals were heat related. So it's a huge issue in these first couple of days at, um, at Flushing Meadow. Let's hear now the thoughts of Novak Djokovic. He did come through the match uh, by a margin of 6-3-3-6, love. He got his game together in that fourth set to run away with it. Let's hear what he had to say afterwards. Obviously, a 10-minute break was something that was very much appreciated and needed. And uh, I'm glad that we had that. Obviously, uh, haven't experienced that before. It was the first time I think we, we both needed it. Yeah, he was uh, referring there to the organisers actually introducing a 10-minute breather for players after the yeah. third set, just so that they could kind of I mean, cool off. They, they actually just, both went for ice baths. Should they have just, you know, delayed a lot of these matches and done them later? I mean, a lot of questions are going to be asked over this because you're putting people's health at risk in this. It's, it's horrific for them to yeah, play no, in this. Yeah, no, and I, I think uh, there, will be an, there will be a knock-on effect of this and, and obviously the scheduling... It's not something that you would ever take mm. into account. Wimbledon has to account for the rain that, that is frequent in the UK <laughs> in the summer months. But th these tennis tournaments, it's always warm in New York in September, August, September, but it's never quite yeah. this bad. So there's obviously an extreme patch of weather and, and they're obviously going to have to think about the way the forecast is shaping up for the next couple of days and, uh, and obviously manage the schedule accordingly. But let's hear now, if we can, from the five-time US Open champion, Roger Federer. He said yesterday, on we played out on the show, he mentioned that he wasn't worried about this uh, particular tournament given the fact he's already won it five times he made a great start as I say he won in straight sets yesterday he's going for his 21st Grand Slam title he hasn't won though at Flushing Meadows since 2008 that is 10 years ago let's hear what he had to say there's pressure but uh, no, it never gets old I love uh, coming to play here and it's been so many years now um, so it's great to to have played also a good first round against an entertaining first round opponent so I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to be back in New York Roger Federer there speaking after his first round match. So he's through. Novak Djokovic is through. They are on course to meet in the quarterfinals. Over in the women's draw, the Williams sisters are in action a little bit later on today. They are on course, of course, to meet in the third round, which would be the earliest that they have ever met in, the, uh, in, in any Grand Slam tournament. I'll just run through the order of play and we'll bring you news as well from the women's draw because Maria Sharapova, um, is uh, is a player to watch. She she beat Patty Schneider six two seven six. The thirty nine year old Schneider put up a decent fight in that second set eight six on the tiebreak. But Sharapova too strong ultimately, so she's through to the second round, and she will await news of her opponent there. But looking at today's order of play, Sloane Sloan Stevens, defending champion, up against Kalinina of Ukraine. Fernando Vadasco will face the unseeded Britain, the former champion Andy Murray on the Arthur Ashe Stadium court. Serena Williams, as I mentioned, playing Karina Withoft of Germany, and Rafa Nadal up against. Um, uh, Vasic Pospisil, Pospisil, some of these names NLT, They're I'm so struggling difficult. to pronounce them. I know. They're so, so that's, difficult. that's the Arthur Ashe uh, Stadium Court order of play. Venus Williams will play Carolina Giorgi of Italy, and one Martin Del Potro is facing Dennis Kudler, uh, the unseeded American over on the Louis Armstrong Court. So that's the order of play, and that is the tennis. Okay, so quick look at the cricket. Yeah, quick look at the cricket. Uh, England have announced their squad to face India in the pivotal, into the all-important fourth test over at Southampton. Uh, the Rose Bowl, that one gets underway 2pm local time. And uh, Johnny Bairstow has been included in England's squad for the fourth test, despite the fact that he broke his finger in the third test uh, at Trent Bridge, the one that India won, of course, in emphatic style. He'll play as a specialist batsman, will, uh, will Johnny Bairstow. Joss Butler will take his 
his place as wicketkeeper. England leading 2-1, looking to seal victory in the five-match series. And Joe Root says that it was the sensible thing to do to keep Johnny Bairstow as a, as a specialist batsman for this particular test match. He's obviously frustrated and disappointed. He, he loves doing the job. He's done extremely well the last couple of years. But that's part of international sport. It's not always... You don't always get what you want and hopefully he uses it in the right way to drive his game forward. So in the first test at Edgebaston, we saw a topsy-turvy affair that was very competitive that ultimately ended in a very narrow England victory. England then thrashed India at Lords. India then thrashed England at Trent Bridge. It's hard to know who will win this fourth test in Southampton, given that NLT. The fact that uh, it's just extremely difficult to predict how, how these teams are going to play, particularly with the bat. We've seen both teams have batting collapses at various stages during this series. You'd expect the momentum to be with India mm. going into this. And, and uh, again, the toss, as, as it always is, will be crucial to deciding the result. A lot of the talk building up to this test series has revolved around potentially dropping the test, the toss, sorry, as a tradition in test cricket because it just favours whoever yeah. ends up winning it. Getting Indeed. to bat first or on those rare occasions where it's actually advantageous to bowl first. In test cricket these days where we're used to seeing matches finish in three or four days as opposed to five days, that winning of the toss can be so pivotal. So we'll wait to see who wins that on uh, tomorrow morning. Well, 2pm, 11am, of course, UK time is when it all gets underway. But India carrying the momentum from that brilliant win at Trent Bridge. England looking to seal the series victory. We're in for a treat. I shall be glued to the screen. And uh, Virat Kohli has been speaking, actually, up and uh, going into this, uh, this match about the proposed ECB's idea for the 100-ball competition. Yet another new format for cricket. We heard wow. on our show last night from uh, David Miller and from Andre Russell, the T20 and ODI specialists, about the UAE T20X, the league that they'll be playing out here in, uh, in December. Very exciting new format, that. But 100 balls just seems like yet another gimmicky event, doesn't it? It's kind Definitely. of what, it's, uh, it's not T20, it's kind of a hybrid. It's, uh, it's even less, even less than, uh, than, uh, 20, than 20 overs. Yeah, it's kind of in between T10 and T20. Uh, Virat Kohli said, obviously for the people involved in the whole process, the setup will be really exciting, but I cannot think of one more format. I'm already very, I wouldn't say frustrated, but sometimes it can get very demanding of you when you have to play so much cricket regularly. I feel somewhere the commercial aspect is taking over the real quality of cricket and that hurts me. And it shows you a question I put to David Miller, the South African, who, who really is a, an all-rounder, a very much a T20 specialist. Are we heading into the direction where in the future T20 cricketers will only play T20? They won't play ODI, they yeah. won't play test cricket. And he believes that that is very much the case, that there is such a proliferation of T20 leagues, there's so much money in it, there's so much money to be made by these guys that cricketers will grow up. It's a totally different mindset, yeah. hitting a century off 40 balls, very different to batting in a test arena. You're going to see more and more of these very explosive, very aggressive cricketers who just don't have the skill set to succeed at test cricket. So that could be the way we're heading. And um, for now, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top in Southampton between England and India in this fourth test. OK, before we let you go, Robbie, time for the last word? Of course. The last word. You should listen to music when you... So, Robbie, you should listen to music when you what? Work. OK. Productive Robbie is a Robbie that listens to music. What about you, Emma? What do you think the answer might be? Uh... Revise for exams. 
OK, if you have a better suggestion, text us 4001 or via the Dubai Eye app. You can message us for free there. We'll reveal all in a few minutes' time. Robbie Greenfield, thank you very much. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com.